Welcome everyone to the Resilient Minds podcast. I am extremely excited, very blessed, and very honored to welcome Marisha Lakiani from Mind Valley, the Chief Growth Officer, uh, an amazing woman that is really blazing up a storm with her authenticity, her grace, her kindness, and her wisdom. And I'm excited to really have more of you listen to this amazing woman, how she's expressing herself, how she's shining, but most importantly, how she continues to just be a pivotal model of what's possible for marketing, for artists, and bringing that together. So first of all, I just want to say thank you for coming on the show. Welcome. Uh, It's good to see you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little nervous, as I told you before, because <laughs> I'm so used to receiving a set of questions from podcasts, but this is the only one where I'm not prepared. Uh, but as you said, let's go with the flow. Let's see what happens. I'm sure it's going to be amazing. Well, I love it because, uh, you know, this is it's funny because so many people, it, like whenever they come on my podcast, they're actually always asking for those questions. And I say, no, 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 Sorry. there's no questions coming the questions are coming through as we because it's about people getting to know you people getting to really uh feel you people getting to well even for you to feel yourself you know and it becomes this authentic vulnerable expression of knowing how to really tap into this intuitive behavior that i know that you're so very well aware of and so this magic this art and science and and you know I'll share with everybody that may have not heard a little bit about the the dynamism behind you and so for those of you that don't know Marisha she blends the art and science to really craft out and stand out in the marketing world developing solutions and cultivating those solutions as my valley's chief growth officer she really pioneered strategies from product launches to cutting edge acquisition models. But recognize most importantly, like I said, for her as her captivating awareness and her amazing presence, she's really a trusted advisor uh, for a lot of great artists and, and leaders. And she brings out her passion for business as she continues to shine. So I'm excited because, uh, this is something that I know it wasn't something you just stepped into. It's something yeah. that really developed and uh, expanded as you learned more about yourself. So take us back. You know, I always share is like our experiences of life will really help us cultivate our why, our big purpose. And so what was it at the beginning of your journey that has allowed you to expand on your experience, to step deeper into curiosity of marketing of your artistic expression your shine your passion to now being this amazing uh, growth officer that you are oh my god it's been such an incredible journey so when I when I was a kid um, I wanted to be a couple of things but my parents always told me that I would never be able to be those things so I wanted to be at one point I wanted to be a scientist because I wanted to invent new things and, and change the world and my parents were like, how many, how many scientists do you know in the world? Like, 
how many, what are the odds of you, some, you know, creating something that's going to be game changer? Like, fair point. Okay. I, then I was, I wanted to be an artist. I said, I want to be an interior designer because I really love design and I love, you know, just curation. Uh, my mom was like, how, just, you won't be making money. I feel like this is a, it's, you know, this, I don't think this is a profession. And this is back in the day, right? So I don't blame them. They were just trying to choose the best profession for me. And then I, I don't know what I was, I was trying to test them. <laughs> I was serious. But at one point I even wanted to be a race car driver. I was like, mom, I want to be a Formula One driver. Like I love car racing. I, I, I just love everything about cars. And uh, my mom's like, have you ever seen a woman race car driver? There's like absolutely zero race car drivers back in the day. <laughs> like all of them are men. And so that didn't work out either. So I just kept wanting to do all of these things, but then not getting any support from my parents. And then some, one of my, uh, my family members told me that I should just get into business because at the end of the day, I can build and create anything and I can go down any path. I can choose later depending on what I want to do, right? But it's, I, it felt more like I had an entrepreneurial spirit uh, because when I was six, I was actually designing t-shirts and selling them. Uh, then I, I created an eBay store where I was selling like Lego and Star Wars kits, Star Wars memorabilia. So I would go around the world searching for Star Wars memorabilia. This is like when I was seven, nine, ten. Um, and I would sell the, the memorabilia to like Jeff Bezos, uh, Gus Lopez, um, George Lucas, like all of these guys. And then I had an eBay store where I would buy clothes and books and things like that. And I would sell it at like 400 to 600% markup. So I was making a salary, like, like an income when I was 10, 11. So for me, money was like, it comes and goes, it doesn't matter, you know? Like if I spend it today, I will make more tomorrow. Like that's, that's my, 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 that was my association with money. So I always had an entrepreneurial spirit. So my family advised me to take on business, which I did. And then I graduated and I couldn't get a job anywhere. So I, I went around, I, I just knew that I wanted to create something for myself. So I made a business plan. I went around to banks. I went around to investors, partners, trying to get someone to fund my idea. And I it was just like zero, like no one is just like, no one is believing in me at this point. And then a few meetings here and there, it led me to a business partner, which, uh, and I did a few things in between where I was like doing prop real estate. I was doing a whole bunch of different things. But it led me to um, a business partner of mine that uh, that introduced me to a few other guys. And then we started an app together. So we started this app called Stemple. And Stemple was like a mobile loyalty program. And back then in Malaysia, this is like ahead of its time. So we had localized to like six different languages. It was in Greece. It was in, um, in, in Taiwan. It was in Thailand. It was in Malaysia. It was in a few countries. We had localized it. And uh, it was basically just to give small, medium entrepreneurs or, or businesses a mobile presence so they could collect data from people entering their stores. They could, you know, send them SMSs. They could run promotions to them. So it gave them that mobile presence, which were, was really expensive to have or develop for, for yourself, you know. So hmm. we did that. Uh, it, was, it was really successful, but I didn't get along with my partners. So it, 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 the story is all the time. We weren't agreeing. I was the youngest, youngest of the partners. I was the only woman. So almost all my ideas were getting shut down. But my ideas were, now that I think about it, were actually quite forward thinking. I wanted to develop a community. I wanted to make, a, make it a subscription. I wanted to have a social element to it. That means you make it shareable. I can share rewards with some friends. I can, you know, 
Um, I can make plans and, and create events together with other people on the app. So all of this was like, I think it was too ahead of its time, but uh, they just kept rejecting all these ideas. And then I just sold my share and I decided to, to move part ways. When I decided to part ways, I lost my business. So basically, I lost my dream. This was my dream. I was building it. It was like five years into it. And it was like my baby because when you... And when, when was this? Like how long ago? Uh, it was a while. It was just before Mind Valley. I can't remember all the dates. The dates are all skewed up in my head. But maybe like 15 years ago, I've been Mind Valley for like seven years now. So, um, so it was that time. And then I sold the share. And then I was thinking about what to do next. But it felt like I lost a part of me because that was like my identity, right? Like it's something that I poured my heart and soul into. I was doing this like like day in day out and I'm like I'm an obsessive compulsive person. Like when I'm into something, I'm obsessive. Like you there's no there's no time switching off. There's no 9 to 5. It's like oh, this is all I want to do. And um at that time I lo I lost my business and then I lost my mom. So my mom passed away and my mom was like my everything. I can't even tell you she was like my best friend. She was my child. She was my my mom, my sister, my like she had like 20 roles in one, right? Um, and I lost her. And I didn't know how to deal with grief because and literally that was the one thing that I kept telling people that if my biggest fear was losing my parents. That was my biggest fear because I wouldn't, I didn't think I'll be able to deal with that, you know? And um, it was really hard time. And that time I felt like I was at my absolute, absolute low. Like there was just nowhere lower to go because I wasn't able to think clearly. I didn't feel inspired. I didn't feel creative. I didn't want to socialize. Like it was like absolute freaking lowest of low that any human being can experience. Um, so that time I decided to just do nine to five. I was like, okay, so I need to build myself back up. I need to, this is going to take some time. I need to grieve. I need to build myself back up. But how can I be surrounded by people that can inspire me. So I chose Mind Valley because I knew people that worked in Mind Valley and I knew the culture of Mind Valley. And I knew that if anything, what I would get out of it is I would get like amazing friendships and I would be inspired by the people that I was around because the people there are game changer. People at Mind Valley, they don't just do Mind Valley. Some of them are Forbes 30 under 30, some of them have their own startups, um, some of them are influencers for Adobe. Uh, they want like, some guys want to see six CBS awards that they're, they're not, they're not like normal people. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're game changers. So what a way to live life than to surround yourself by people doing this. So they are raising the bar and then you can, you can raise your bar, right? Because at the end of the day, I really believe you're the average of the people you hang out with. And if you're going to hang out with people that are just work operating at this level, that's the level you're going to operate at. But if you start to hang out people that are operating and thinking at this level and solving bigger problems, that's how your, your brain is going to work, right? So moved to join Mind Valley. Uh, I, when I first joined, my manager told me I was the worst employee they ever had and they wanted to fire me. So it started off like that. And I was on the verge of quitting. So this is me deciding, okay, sitting in bed, crying, deciding if, if I should quit or if I should just persevere and continue and just prove them wrong. And then I decided that if you're quitter, if I'm quit, if I'm a quitter now, I'm always going to be a quitter. Like if every time something gets hard and I'm going to quit, that's who I become because I just run away from my problems, right? But what I decided to do is I decided to persevere. So I decided to to work the hardest and stand out. And I wanted so my goal was to make sure that every single person voted for me for the next MVP awards. So they have these awards where um, 
they the team votes for people that they feel had the biggest impact on the business. So I wanted I didn't want one person to say it. I wanted the entire company to say that that I was one of the top contributors to the company. So I worked my ass off. And then when I started working my ass off, I started getting recognized and promoted and all of those things. And then seven years later in Mind Valley, I think it's seven years, six or seven years. Wow. So now I'm just leading the entire marketing team. I'm like the right hand of vision. Um, like, you know, like I'm known in the space because of, you know, all the decisions, a lot of the transitions that Mind Valley's encountered. When Mind Valley, when I first joined Mind Valley, it was doing like 30 million. Now it's doing close to 200 million. So it's been like a long journey, right? And it's self-funded. That means we we don't have the liberty to spend investor dollars and burn through cash. We don't have that. We have to make and invest and make and invest and make really smart decisions because every dollar that we spend is actually our money that we could have spent on something else, you know? So we have to be very mindful and careful with what, what we're investing in, what ideas we're, we're banking on, how are we scaling, you know, how are we growing the team? Everything has to be really strategic. That's the journey. Wow. So beautiful. And I have to, I have so much things I can't wait to talk, like go deeper into because there's just like bits and pieces of, of so much gold on your own journey and, and the focus, the, the delivery and the deliberate uh, intention that you curated in yourself to, first of all, 15 years ago, be very forward thinking. So the first thing that I really wanted, wanted to go into is, do you think that just because you were so forward thinking and you had this foresight, right? And if more of your partners would have actually paid attention and listened to the words and the in intentional realism that was coming from your groundedness, from the way that you're able to create a solid plan and strategically implement that, perhaps something could have shifted. And is that a pattern that maybe in 15 years ago from that wounded masculine approach of patriarchal misrepresentation was something that was being delivered in that experience and how do you see that now have shifted 15 years later to where you are today so i think it, at that time i was a lot younger so it wasn't like i had multiple startups so i actually didn't believe in myself as much as i should have because the truth is, if you really believe in yourself, you really believe in your ideas, you would push them through, you know, and you need to believe in yourself a lot more. And people need to believe in themselves a lot more. Right. So at that time, I don't actually blame anyone. I think it was more me. Amazing. It was me not having the that faith in myself, not having the faith in my ideas, thinking they're good ideas, but not really 100 percent banking on them. Because if you're really 100, you, you can see some of the game changers out there in the world where they really believe in an idea. They're willing to go to the ends of the earth to fight for that idea, to turn it into a reality. But it's, I just didn't believe it. I don't think I believed in it as much. I didn't think I believed in myself as much, right? Uh, but then I feel like that's- do you, think, so, do you think it's because, I'm sorry to interrupt, but yeah, it's yeah. Just, it just came through. Do you think the reason that you didn't believe in yourself is because the people around you didn't believe in themselves? Possibly, but I felt like they did believe in themselves. Okay. But I don't think that they understood their customer base. So there's believing in themselves and the idea and they thinking that I've done this. There's a, a sense of um, uh, confidence because they've done this multiple times. They've sold multi multiple companies. So they have a track record, right? So they understand business, but then understanding business is one thing. Understanding a, the, the consumer base and where the market is going is a completely different skill set. Not necessarily every entrepreneur has both. 
So a lot of entrepreneurs build products that make sense for themselves. They don't build products that make sense for their customer. So they don't even spend time talking to their customer. The difference was, is that I was on the ground and I was speaking to merchants and customers and they were doing more of the backend stuff. So because of that, I felt like they were not in the best place to make the, the calls on the business, but I, that's, that's just entrepreneurship, right? You, it's, you know, most, entrepreneurs, most entrepreneurs fail for this absolute reason. It's because they don't spend a lot of time really understanding, listening to people from different parts of, of the, the company, really understanding the customer, talking to the customer. It's all of the, it's the mistakes that they all make. And I don't think that's, that's right or wrong. I just feel like if you were to spend more time doing these things, you probably would be able to see a clearer, a clearer picture of what's going on and what, what could be the vision of your business, right? But um, they, they had this confidence because they were successful. And I had a confidence in them because they were successful. And they'd done this multiple times and I had it, right? Um, but the difference was I had the knowledge of, from the customers. I had exactly what they wanted, where the market was going, how, how you know, uh, people our age were, were consuming and interacting and communicating on Facebook, on Instagram, things like that. So the thing was, I just couldn't sell them on that idea. They didn't see that vision. They didn't see the vision of subscription. They didn't see the vision of, of, of community. So we just had to part ways because it felt like I was hitting a wall and it felt really frustrating just to feel like you, when you're in, in partnership with someone, because entrepreneurship is like, and building a business is like a marriage as well, right? If you're not on the same page, you're not building the vision together, you don't see uh, the future, the same future of the business, you cannot build it together. It's almost impossible. So at that point, I decided to, to exit and do my own thing. But then what that did is that it gave me a whole ton of learning on how to push my ideas forward, how to work with, with partners, how to choose the right partner, all of those things, which now I have other businesses and I feel like more able to execute, strategize and run the business. I feel more confident in my ideas. Like now it's, it's my way. It's kind of my way or the highway. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's beautiful because it's like this innovative approach that you've allowed yourself to step into a resilient component or a resilient mind. And you're, what I'm seeing is that you're really ob observant of the lessons that have taught you to become even stronger. Yeah, because in life, there is going to be very few people that actually believe in you or see your vision. Very few. There's going to be more people that tell you that your vision's not going to work. It's not big, big enough. It's not realistic. There are going to be people that just tell you no. And if you're going to listen to every single no, you're going to get nowhere. <laughs> so, so if you don't, it's li the, the, your only option, literally your only option is to believe in yourself and take the steps that make sense to you. And if they're wrong, it's fine. They're going to teach you something or the other. But as long as they, they feel right to you, that those are the right steps to take. And you just have to keep moving forward with those steps, right? That's literally the goal of life. And if you st and the problem with us in our generation is we care so much about validation, getting validation from our parents, from our friends, from our partners, bosses, colleagues. We just want everyone's validation. And the truth is the more validation we try to get, the more that screws up our head and screws up our decision-making. So... So the best thing you can do is if it feels right, just move. It's always, there's this beautiful saying, if, if, if uh, you're struggling at a table, go build your own. It's something along those lines. Yeah. You know, if there's a table that you're not eating at properly, go build your own. And I really resonate with that. I think that, you know, especially from hearing your story of, you know, they wanted to fire you to now, you know, 
being the chief growth officer, what had what had had to had to shift there in terms of the culture or in terms of your uh, way to take the ability to respond and being responsible in your own uh, let's call it state in the state that you showed up in versus feeling like a victim and then saying no they can't like I'm going to leave what changed what 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 enhanced how did you say no okay it's fine you want to push me away but I'm going to actually work double and harder and enhance this culture so I I think I again again I take full ownership of this right I felt like the way I was showing up before I was showing up in a place of okay this is a new job I need to figure this out I need to learn the ropes I need to it was not about I wasn't I don't think I was actually taking full ownership of this role and taking full ownership of what I can do with this role or how I can show up with this role I was just showing up like the the average employee showing up, trying to understand, giving myself time to pick up the roles. I, I wasn't even there like six months. I was there like three months, four months. So I was trying to give myself time and patience to figure things out and like learn the processes. And the processes at that time was a little messy. So there was like, it wasn't even set in stone where it was easy to pick up. I had to like connect the dots in so many ways. So I was giving myself time to do that. But then I guess like where I could have showed up is this, right? So in any given time in life, we the choice lies with us, how we show up, what decisions we take, what kind of ownership we take. And at any given time, it's our responsibility to take full ownership, you know, to take full ownership of the mistakes, how we want to show up, um, how we want to treat other people, you know, how we want to, uh, to commit or perform in whatever, whatever task we're doing, whatever we're undertaking, right? So a lot of us sometimes, and I'm sure you've experienced this before, it's like, okay, I have to work on this project. You might show up, you might do it, you might think about it, but you're not like 100% in it. You're not 100% committed to make it grow. You're not 100% committed. You haven't that's because you haven't decided that this, it's, it's this or nothing. You know, so, so that time, the only thing that changed was I decided that I was going to make this work like, like I there was no way I was not going to make this work. Like I was going to do this better than anyone else on the team. So now for me to do that, and it's like, you set out, start off with a vision. So this is what I want to do. So I'm going to be the best person on the team. I'm going to win an MVP award. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to perform like the best like in terms of like revenue campaigns, everything. Now, in order to do that, what did I have to do to do that? It wasn't just doing what they were, they were doing existingly, which is like the same BAU, the same processes, the same style of doing things. I had to do things completely different. So then I started to follow experts, spend my weekends learning, um, trying new things. Uh, I started building the processes for them. Started doing a whole, I started operating in a different way because it was, my goal wasn't just to fit in. My goal was now to be the best. And that happened even after. So after, uh, when I, I took on like a, 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 most, uh, a most senior leadership role, I decided I wanted to be CMO of Mind Valley, and I just decided. So then I started to work backwards. I said, okay, if I'm going to be CMO of Mind Valley, what do I have to do different? I have to think like a CMO. I need to, I need to be BFFs with, um, with the, the executive team, that means the, 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 the CFO, the CHRO, all of these guys are my stakeholders. I need to understand what they're, the problems they're trying to solve. I need to understand the challenges they're experiencing. I need to see how I can contribute and solve those challenges. And I need to be in the right conversations, in, this, in the exact conversations, because I cannot solve problems at this level and think I'm going to make it to the next level. I need to solve problems at the next level. So I started changing the way I thought. I started changing the way the problems that I was solving. I started changing the conversations that I was having. I started learning about the conversation CMOs were having. I joined a CMO community. 
I was already I was already a CMO in my head. And then um, it was just a matter of time, right? So within the year, I got promoted to CMO. And then I was like, okay, now what do I do? So now I have this little plaque. <laughs> I love it. Yes. This is good. I love it. So that's all. That's what it's about. It's about you committing to something that that means a lot to you. That's a lot of people just don't commit to the dream or they don't commit to the goal. They think it's a it's a cute idea to be a CEO. They think it's a cute idea to start a company, but they haven't they haven't actually committed to it. Committing to it means thinking like the person, making the right decisions, having those conversations, putting yourself in in uncomfortable situations. You know, taking risk, learning constantly, learning about about that being in that place. So in a way, if you think about it, it's the same as manifesting. Like manifesting is all like this. It's like you're setting your vibrations to a, a completely different state. And then you start to manifest all the stuff that, that, that you want, you know? So it's, it's, it's similar to that, but you're actually putting in the work. But because you are operating in that headspace and you are solving problems in that headspace, people start to see you as being capable to do those things and, you know, solve those problems. So, and this is how you started to implement the art and science and you brought those, that creativity, that innovation with the metrics and the very grounded level. So yeah. tell us a little about, about how important this is. If you're a creative that's wanting to really not just manifest, but also an intrapreneur that wants to grow inside of a corporate culture um, and maybe even enhance it because I, I do believe that from the what I'm hearing, it sounds like that culture uh, may have enhanced your ability to grow yeah. and it continues to. Uh, and the integration of that level of culture, you know, Peter Drucker, an amazing management consultant, I'm sure you've heard of, uh, said, you know, culture strategy for breakfast. Right. So really bridging that, although strategy is very important, it's the human connection that emphasizes a key component of real powerful teamwork. You know, it's like those relationships that you build to understand the needs of what the solutions that you're going to bring to the table. So when, if somebody is listening right now, whether they're a CEO or entrepreneur, you know, working inside of an organization or somebody that's an artist that is creative as heck, and wants to really be more measurable because if we don't measure what doesn't get measured, what doesn't get measured doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Or maybe somebody that is very measurable, but they're struggling with the intention of that creativity and they're really wanting to really expand. How did you merge those worlds together in your own brilliance, in your own philosophy, in your own nature, so that as a result, you were able to shine inside of the culture that really empowered you to step through? So when I when I joined Mind Valley, the team had its the marketing team had its own culture, right? But every single marketing team had its own culture. So the team that I was part of was like the launch team, the product launch team. But then there was the marketing creatives. There was the SEO team. There was the, 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 the advertising team. There was just a whole bunch of different marketing teams. But then when I got promoted, I took over all of these teams. So it was like literally Game of Thrones. Took over all of these teams and now they all had different cultures. So the first thing I needed to do was build a common culture among marketing. So what we did is we aligned on the brand values. So the brand values were co-elevation. Why co-elevation? Because... We want, I wanted to operate, I love sportsmanship. 
And I actually hire a lot of people that play a lot of sports. So they either have jujitsu, they train, they play squash, tennis, some sport, rock climbing. Because I feel like when you when you're an athlete or you think like a sportsman, you have a different level of resilience. Because you're so used to not being amazing, not being the best, that you're always striving to be a little bit better. So that that really translates to the work you do. So I love people with that sportsmanship mindset. So um, core elevation basically suggests that no one wins. Either we all win or we all lose. Yes. Because of that, because of that value, there's no one trying to climb over you or steal your work. No one cares. They, in fact, if if you're not hitting your numbers, like five people will will jump into a meeting with you, spend the day with you to help you hit your numbers. They will do whatever they can to support you. So that was very important to me. So the values, that one, growth. Growth is important because if everyone is not growing, because the, the, our, our marketing or our results can, it can only grow to the, uh, to the ability of the team, right? So if, if the team is not growing, they're not coming with new ideas, they're not taking risks, then the, we, cannot, we cannot go to another level because it's still- it's growing, they're dying. Yeah, it's limited to the to, to the, the collective wisdom of the team, you know. So it was very important to me that everyone is growing. And then to grow, one of my values is that I need to tr- train my people so well that they can go anywhere, but I need to treat them so good that they don't want to go. So I hire tons of experts, like AI experts. Every like every other every other week or, or um, month, there's an expert coming to teach the team. They have access to agencies that they can work with to train them. But I still support the team. So the team says we need to let go of this agency or I can't work with this person. The team, like, I'll follow the, the word of the team. But they have access to hire any expert to train them. So because of that, they like, people on my team get poached from my team for 4x, 5x the salary that I'm paying them. It's mad. Because people, they, they're, because they train so well. And then the reason why they go, because they need more money, obviously. But then they're always <laughs> saying no to job offers because they're like, I don't, and they literally tell me this, they're like, it's so hard to leave. Like, I don't want to yeah. leave. Like, I'd rather stay here or they say no to a couple of job offers and then finally there's one and it, you know they align, they get married, da, 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 life takes over and, and they have to leave, right? But they never, they always say that they didn't want to leave because of the culture of the team and because the, the, of the friendships they formed within the team. That's so important, right? Because now it's not just work, it's actually family. Um, that and then ownership. So ownership is the fact that I give you the freedom. You can come up with disruptive ideas. You, you, you can take the risk. And I, if anything goes wrong, I will take uh, the responsibility of that risk. If anything goes right, you can bear the, 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 you can reap the rewards of the risk so that they know I have their back, right? But not failing or not trying new things is just not an option. So that way they take full ownership of decisions they make. So if there's something works well, they innovate, it, it, you know, they, they manage to break a record, they take full ownership of it. If it goes bad, I'll take full ownership of it. But because of that, they have now now the freedom to play around, express themselves, come up with new things, come up with new ideas. It feels ideas. safe. It feels safer. So those three values. Now, the thing is that I, I had to make sure that I didn't hire anyone that didn't meet these values. That was the hard part. So not, not letting, because sometimes I meet brilliant people and they've worked in like amazing companies, but they just don't meet these values. So what do you do? The answer is just don't let them in your company because they one person that's, that's, that doesn't match these values can ruin the entire team culture, right? So it was about kind of making people, making sure they adhere to the values. And, and then that kind of, kind of kept the team kind of safe, protected, and they felt motivated because now the entire A players don't like working with B players or C players. They like working with other A players. 
So because of that, now the team is full of A players and they love working with one another. They always get inspired working, you know, hearing each other's ideas. They're always trying to test new things. They're always wanting to go to different conferences, pick up ideas. So they're always leveling up. Um, and it's crazy how many records they're breaking. Literally, my CEO told me this is the best marketing team he's ever had in, in Mind Valley, hands down. And that's so, amazing that's because that comes from your level of integration through your own value, through the way that you've been able to lead by example. And that's real from my map of the world. The example is where people really want to lead. And the fact that you're willing to hold the space of ultimate safety, meaning that, you know, when people feel seen, heard, and understood, they'll, they'll, they'll step into a place of complete um, excitement because even if they do leave, they're not really gone, right? They're still friends. They're still family. They're still implementing the dynamism which you've brought to the table in a different culture, in a different environment. And that's been an extension or an expression of who you are and how you've been. And that's a huge testament to you, Marisha. It's beautiful. This wisdom, you see, and do you see how natural it is to come out the flow? It's so beautiful because uh, I find that in our own essence or in our own stories, we're able to really come up with this wisdom that we don't necessarily sometimes take enough credit for. And uh, in the space of not knowing what is going to happen, it usually emerges and yeah. it shows up. And uh, it's interesting because so many of us have been conditioned by, you know, old circumstance or societal that we need to know what's next and i believe i really genuinely believe that it is in the present moment that we actually start to innovate and collaborate and co-elevate and we bring these family values that you've so beautifully done inside of your marketing department and as a result the ceo has seen the transition in the way and the nature of, of how it's continued to grow because from what I see and the way that I observe is like you're, you're basing the integrity of principles and values at the highest level of influence. And as a result, people get behind that because it's not about anybody, it's about something greater. And this is something that I really, uh, I'm grateful for seeing in you. And I'm curious, where did this come from? Where did these principles, these values, these this feeling of responsibility come from within you or your experience of life i i honestly think it was just pure intention so the my i had the purest intention of wanting the people on my team to succeed so i'm the kind of person who's always fighting for raises for my team but will never ask for a raise for myself i'm always fighting for for you know, uh, benefits or um, recognition for my team, but I would never ask for it for myself. Uh, but that's because I genuinely, I feel like my work will will show for itself, but I genuinely feel like I really need to take care of the people that are around me. So whether it's my family, my friends, or whether it's people at work, they need to feel that. And I think that because they see that intention is so pure and so genuine, they know that I have their back like in work or outside work as well, that they trust me back. 
And then they want me to shine. And then they want to do things to support me. So if I feel overwhelmed, maybe there's one day where I go to the team and I say, okay, I'm really overwhelmed this week. I have a lot on my plate. They'll literally raise their hand and say, hand me some stuff. Let me take this on for you. Or don't attend this meeting. Let me take this over. I'll, I'll fill you in later. Or you don't worry, take a day off and send me this. I'll, I'll, I'll look into it for you. So, and that, that kind of relationship is really, really important uh, because at the end of the day, this is a job, you know, you can't, it, it's, it's a job, but I'm spending like literally my full day, like more than, I spend more than eight hours with these people. So I'm spending more than eight hours with these people. I need to, I need to have much more of a deeper relationship with these people, right? Because I need to trust them. I need to feel connected to them. I need to feel, and they need to feel the same. They need to feel safety, trust, connection. Um, and the way to do that is that every, every time I do something, I make a decision. I always make a decision with authentic like intention for the betterment of the team. That means it, it, everyone has to win. The team has to win. It should not be at, at anyone's expense. Um, so when it, when you make these decisions, they actually tend to be the right decisions because it helps build a stronger team. And they 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 want to serve you. They want to work uh, harder for you. They want they see the end goal. They see the vision of, of where you're trying to take the company, and they want to align to that vision. So people in my team will be working weekends. They'll be doing webinars at 3 a.m. and they'll never say a word to me, never complain. They're actually really excited about how they're contributing to the to the the larger picture. That's and that's why because they're contributing to the larger picture. So what I'm actually curious is, you said something uh, about asking for help. Mm -hmm. That's a state of vulnerability that is beautiful because you do open up then to, to then allow them to support and serve you and help you. And I, I know that that's something that whenever a leader wants to like is open and say, Hey, I'm tired or I need help. And sometimes it's the people that are supporting so many others in the world that actually need the most support. And if you're open to that and you're open to be vulnerable, it's, it, it even shows even more integral leadership. And it's beautiful to see that, that you're willing to say that because then you're sharing that you don't need to know everything. That in fact, you're also a student. You're also curious. You're also nurturing that curiosity alongside you. Yeah, and I think that's 100%. And also it gives people permission to ask for help. Because if I never ask for help, no one will be able to ask for help, right? So this kind of keeps the, the the doors of communication completely open because then anyone can ask for help. If someone's going through like a hard time in their relationship, or it could be anything. Sometimes they're just going through a hard time and they just need additional support or they just need some time to think or they just need some time to rest. And they should be able to come and raise their hand and say, hey, today I'm just not feeling it and yeah. I just need some time to rest. And can someone else jump in for me? And that's part of the value, right? That's co-elevation. It's that we can only win together. So if we're not supporting one another, we're not helping walk each other. It's like the Marines. We're not helping walk each other to the finish line. Then we can't win. Um, so that's that's part of the, the culture. How, how important do you feel like this type of experience or culture is in every industry, in whichever marketplace across, you know, different different places in the world like tell me the like your thoughts on this because I, i'm curious to know you know how important do you feel that this is for people their mental their mental health their mental wealth their uh, values and how they can bring that back to their family dynamics and their communities outside of work because yep. you spend eight hours at a, at a job or at a position 
And if this is the type of co-elevated practice that is enhanced within an organizational structure, naturally, it's going to transition into other areas of your life. So I'm curious to know your perspective on, you know, the old way of doing things versus now. Um, and, and maybe there's lots of traditional businesses that still operate in that old way of doing mm-hmm. things. And so how important do you feel like that shift needs to, needs to happen now? So I, I, I feel the culture is really important. It's important to align on the culture. Now, everyone, every company can have different culture based on their values, but it's really important to align on the culture because you set like an, it's, it kind of becomes like the operating, um, like the OS operating system of the team. So it builds this kind of synergy between one another and this kind of common understanding between one another. And it also helps you attract the right right talent for your organization, right? Because again, I told you when there's people that are, that if I imagine if I let someone in that's ultra corporate and feels like they need to climb the corporate ladder, they need to step on, step on, you know, steal someone's work and be toxic and all of these kind of things, it will completely destroy your organization. And you would like, as, as a leader that's on the top and, you know, maybe I'm not spending a lot of time with every single person in my team, uh, I might not even realize that until it's too late. So it's really important to set the, the culture straight so that way, not only will you have a filtration mechanism to decide who gets in the team, but at least people within the team can spot that this is not in accordance to the culture. Like this person is acting out of culture, you know, and they can raise the red flags, right? Because that synergy between the team is so important that it creates a safe space. People can, they feel like they can, they can communicate freely they don't feel threatened when they come to work. They don't feel like it's a toxic environment. And then they're highly engaged. There's a reason why a lot of like corporate America complain uh, and, and, and tr- are trying to solve uh, employee disengagement. It, and they're always complaining how employees are getting disengaged with work. And they, they're not as motivated. You know, they're coming, clocking in their nine to five. They can't wait to get out. And they're not enthusiastic about the companies because they don't have friendships within the company. They don't feel safe within the company. Lines of communication are not clear and open. Um, they they don't feel like there's radical candor. That means they don't they feel like management is hiding things. It's not like, you know, they don't fully trust what's going on. Uh, they don't see the vision of of where the team or company is going. And I think that that all of this hurts the 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 growth of the team or the the productivity of the team. And if you really want to build a tight engine that works, that's productive, that's that's you know a, a team of A players, then you have to set the foundations, which is the culture. And how do you feel that this transitions into their family lives and maybe their communities and the shift into really, you know, because, yeah, how do you feel that that then moves into every other area of their life? Because I'm, I'm certain you still have great friends with your, your great friends with, with, yeah. with everybody that has even left. And perhaps those that have left have started to transform other organizations. Yes. I don't know. I feel like because we spend eight hours at work, I feel like we need to yeah. we we shouldn't underestimate the impact it has later on, or you know, or vice versa. Because if you have a bad day at work and your boss shouts at you and you you don't feel safe, you hate your job. This is literally what you take home when you're going home to your partner or when you what in when you're raising your kids. This this frustration, this anger is what you take home with you, right? But if you had like a really good uh eight hours at work and you felt like like I don't. This doesn't even feel like work. This actually feels like play. Um, then you have this really positive energy that you take home. So it kind of just builds happier, healthier families. Um, and then it's the same both ways. So if you know how to be, 
present when it when it's when you switch off work and you know how to be present with your partner when you go home that energy kind of translates to work then you come to work you're happier otherwise you just go through the spiral of you being pissed at work taking it home being pissed at home taking it to work and you just become disengaged so i feel like every part of your life and it, that's where that's why as human beings, we need to commit to doing certain things and show up in a certain way, saying that, okay, I, like here, I'm committing to be like a star employee. I'm committing to give my best and show up when, it, when it's my eight hours, I'm going to do my best here. But when it comes to a home or when it comes to me participating in sport or me doing an activity outside or volunteering or contributing, this is again, my hundred hundred percent here. If not, I'm not going to do it. Right. So it's the decision we need to make as human beings because otherwise we just do everything half-assed. You know, we just show up at work. We're just trying to do five hours. We're trying to clock in, clock out. And that translates to everything. So I feel like when we give employees the space and the freedom and the trust and, and, and thing, we're actually giving them permission to just show up and not, fe not feeling like, uh, like they're under attack or you know, they're, you know, they're going to be second guessed or feeling frustrated. We're giving them the space to just play and have a great time and, and create and, you know, thrive. And that, that, that energy kind of gets translated to everything else that they do when it comes to sport contribution and, and family life. It really is. It's like, uh, owning the space as a, as a, you know, mother or a father inside of a business. Right. And then, yeah. and then also using that motherly fatherly energy, in your family dynamic or community dynamic, uh, government dynamic, whatever that is, and as a result, it starts to help. Let's call it the children, the family, the cousins, the aunties. You know, yeah. however, to be more safe and then expressive, and really can communicate and have more fun. And if these values get translated even more to that safe space than to our children, then they can start to go after their capacity of everything that they see as possible because they get nurtured and supported and you're coming from this place of vibrancy and resilience and excitement because they're like wow you know look at dad or look at mom like they're going after their dreams they're coming home and, and being happy and you know I want to do that too you know and it, it gives this beautiful insight because it's not about what we say it's really how we behave it's how we react it's how we're we're we're, we're, we're shining or not that that's how we are passing on energy to one another. Do you agree with this or how does that work? Yeah, I agree. And I feel like now in corporate America, they, they understand the impact of this. So they're always trying to get like L&D programs for, for families or for like employees so that they can live, they can have like healthier homes. So it's like parenting uh, tools or, uh, or like, you know, health and fitness tools or, you know, programs that they can do so they can, they can, they feel like, healthier and stronger and um, emotionally more resilient outside work. But they forget sometimes that what is causing it and the stress might be inside work. Yes. Um, so, so it's about really understanding like, you know, what is the employee's day-to-day -day and, you know, stress levels and, and uh, you know, how much fun or, you know, how free do they feel when, when they're in the job, right? How safe do they feel when they're in the job? And then see how this is actually impacting their personal lives and then vice versa. Because um, if we can just give them like a really fun eight hours, that, could, that translates to everything that they do after that. Joy, fun, excitement. And then this is yeah. the thing, like, you know, I remember working in the corporate world after university and like being creative, having all these ideas, wanting to implement them, super focused. And I left university because 
like I didn't leave, I, I, when I graduated university, I was part of, you know, the student body. I was focusing on creating events for all the student body, making, you know, like I was a big geek in, in the student body wanting to do good for the, for the students. Right. And it was beautiful because I had all these offers lined up. Right. And I went into the corporate world and I lasted six months because they didn't give me the innovative expression to wanting to really put my energy. They put a limit in a, in a, in a, in a box around me. And I yeah. said, no, like I'm, I'm out of here. I, I gave them like, I would, and of course I didn't have the awareness I had. So the, the, the kind, you know, I wasn't the most kind at that time. <laughs> <laughs> However, I believe that now and in today's day and age, it's our responsibility to really help our future leaders to really be effective, be expressive, be innovative, help them feel understood, help them feel seen, help them feel appreciated because they have so many ideas that if we listen to them, that as a result of listening to those ideas and helping them create them, make them happen, then perhaps we'll get to the community side of things like you had had the foresight 15 years ago, perhaps something would have shifted and happened a lot sooner if somebody took the time to actually get curious about what, what do you mean about that Mauritian? What do you think? How does that actually come together? Can we get more creative about it? If somebody took the time to just listen, who knows? You know, what, what would, how much faster what could have we been at the crossing the line? So, and again, everything happens for a reason. I love it and it's beautiful. Right. Uh, I just want to really thank you. You know, like what is some of the, I know that you've just, you know, you're, you've just been traveling, doing a lot of speaking and engaging on the magic of, you know, I know we didn't get into the specifics of measurement and on the show, but I do believe that as a result of this core understanding of what's, what you've developed uh, and the values that you've cultivated, it's really, that becomes a byproduct of this. And I believe that this is actually the real intelligence that you bring to the space that you're in. Yeah, I feel like, um... It's really about doing things with the right intention and taking full ownership for your decisions. I think that's just that's just the magic of the game. Beautiful. Risha, if somebody so where are you where are you headed now? What's next? Like what's I what's am going next? to Dubai for okay, affiliate world. Be... So I'm going to Dubai for affiliate world. Um okay. and then I'm speaking on about like AI and performance marketing. So like how you can you can make your dollar work for you in terms of advertising. And then I am going to Miami for a manifesting conference with Mind Valley, and then New York. You're all over. I love yeah, it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's in uh, Feb, <laughs> in March. So exciting. So um, if anybody wants to know more about how to connect with you, uh, you know, what, what's happening in the next few events, uh, where's the best way that they could connect What's the best way that they can reach out? What do you, or do they, do you, where, you know, what other workshops do you have going on? Um, Instagram and LinkedIn. So Instagram and LinkedIn is where I'm most active. And um, 
you know, you can like reach out to me. I have an email newsletter uh, where I, I usually post like marketing stuff. So I think this was mainly about like values and and leadership and and you know, um, you know, just being more vulnerable and and um, and leading with the real vulnerability. But what I actually talk about is marketing. So uh, if you follow my newsletter, you'll basically learn a whole bunch of cool tips and tricks to like scale your business. Uh, but then if you follow me on Instagram, you'll find out where I'm speaking next podcast, like what's happening, uh, you know, if I'm traveling and if you want to say hi, like you'll figure out which city I'm in and you can actually come and say hi. Maybe we have a coffee. Let's see. <laughs> yes. And uh, the marketing side or the, the the marketing side of your magic, I believe is uh, already who you are. And I think that that's just like you said, it's that work is already showing up as a result of how my value is doing, how the company is doing. And I believe, I genuinely believe it's because of your leadership that that's where the organization is going. And so the metrics and the specifics and those like, you know, that's going to be stuff that people can Google and find out. But this, yes, that's true. this stuff is really where people, from my perspective, actually mm -hmm. get more to know about the brilliance behind all of that. So thank you for opening up in this capacity with me. And thank you for playing with, with that level of energy. Because again, I know you came in here with like uncertainty and knowing and trusting. And I really appreciate that. So, uh, but I have one question before we go. Mm -hmm. If you had three days left to live, what would you be? I had three days left to live. I would spend it uh, with all my loved ones. Like literally I would spend all, like take my money. I would book a holiday for all my loved ones and just spend it with all my loved ones over a weekend. And then I would give it, give the rest of my money to my brother and tell my, because my brother, I love him. So I'd give it all to my brother and tell my brother to invest in people's dreams. So like my dream is to create a, v, um, like a VC and a fund where I can invest in people's dreams of people who don't have the money to spend and know, and they don't have people that believe in their ideas, but they actually have a legitimate idea. I would want to help them grow that idea. So through like skill set and mentorship and and then money uh, investment into their into their idea. You're a beautiful and amazing, inspiring woman. Thank you so much for your wisdom. I'm grateful for you. Do you have any last things you want to share? Anything? Any last statement? Um, the only thing I want to say is really, if you don't believe in yourself, no one will. So continue to believe in yourself. Don't doubt yourself. Don't second guess yourself because it's all about making the best guess. Even if you're 90, not even 90, if 70% sure about the next step, take it and just keep moving forward because that's going to get you there faster than anything else will. You're a legend. Appreciate you. Thank you. Hey, everyone, and thank you so much for listening to The Resilient Minds. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please make sure to go comment and like and follow us on iTunes or Spotify. And make sure, please make sure that if you really love this, to share this episode and make sure that you're inviting all your friends to like it as we continue to unfold what the beauty of our minds does. More importantly, how powerful our heart level of intelligence can be when we combine our heart and our brain together. And more importantly, make sure you take the time to take a look at what we're doing at Balanced Media Ventures and how we can actually really support you in doubling your impact, your income, and your influence and how you can bring your life's greatest vision 
into your purpose and create it from that level of reality. Talk to you soon.